Nine Lives, the debut album from Catalyst, grips with infinite possibility and reflects the contemporary Los Angeles jazz scene. Catalyst is more than a nine-piece band. It's a collective of producers, composers, musicians, and writers who represent a who's who of the Los Angeles jazz community. You can listen to the album on all of the major music platforms or purchase a copy through bandcamp.com. Catalyst with a K, and the album is Nine Lives. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. There are many approved or experimental therapies in development for a range of indications that, because of their mechanisms of action, have been pursued as potential treatments for patients with COVID-19. One of the most advanced candidates in this category is lenzilumab, an experimental monoclonal antibody that's in development for certain cancers and other conditions. The antibody has the potential to neutralize a cytokine known as GM-CSF, which can trigger a severe immune reaction and cause hyperinflammation as a result of a cytokine storm. It is this immune response that underlies the most serious cases of the COVID-19 virus. We spoke to Cameron Durant, chairman and CEO of Umanogen, about lenzilumab, how it was recognized as a potential treatment for COVID-19, and the path forward for the therapy. Cameron, thanks for joining us. Daniel, real pleasure to be with you. We're going to talk about COVID-19 cytokine storms and your experimental therapy, lenzulumab, which is in late-stage testing for COVID, as well as in clinical development to treat a range of cancers and other conditions. I, I thought we could start with a little history. Uh, the company had been known as Calobios. It was heading towards a liquidation, and you succeeded the infamous Martin Shurkelly, who was on the job for about four weeks before he was arrested. What attracted you to the company? Well, I've been in this role now for five years. Uh, The company, while it had multiple problems back then, always had very interesting science. And that's proven to be the case with the development work that we've established for lenzilumab and ifabutuzumab. Those are two of our lead monoclonal acted me was first and foremost the science secondly the opportunity to have a significant impact on as many patients as possible you renamed the company you manage and put a focus on rare and neglected diseases lenzulumab was being developed to treat rare cancers cmml and jmml where was the drug actually discovered So the drug was initially developed, not in its current format, by a research group in Australia, and Humanogen licensed those rights. 
Humanogen has a proprietary platform technology called humaneering. And humaneering takes the raw material, if you will, in some ways, and optimizes it. And Lenzilimab is the product of that optimization. So it's fully owned by Humanogen. Uh, and we applied the same secret source, if you will, to ifabatuzumab. And again, ifabatuzumab is fully owned by Humanogen. COVID-19 can turn deadly by causing what's known as a, a cytokine storm. What's a cytokine storm and how does COVID-19 cause this to happen? Well, what happens is the virus triggers an inflammatory reaction. And we all have those kinds of things happening in our body when we engage uh, with viruses, bacteria, fungi, and some types of cancer. So we want the immune system to work in those situations. Unfortunately, in some patients with COVID-19, the immune system goes into overdrive. So the inflammatory reaction is really what causes some of the body systems to go haywire. So think of it this way, Daniel. It's a little like you sometimes need to have a foot on the brake and sometimes you need to have a foot on the gas when you're driving, according to the circumstances you encounter. Cytokine storm is a bit like having your foot on the gas and keeping it pressed on the gas and without anything taking it off. So what lenzilimab does is it neutralizes a key cytokine that triggers the storm. And so in some ways, and lens does have a dual mechanism, in some ways you could think of it to take the metaphor further as both taking the foot off the gas pedal and applying a foot on the brake. And that's what allows the cytokine storm to dissipate. What is granulocyte macrophage colonating stimulating factor? Is, is this the signaling you spoke about? <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, we abbreviate it helpfully to GMCSF. So GMCSF is a bit like the communication conduit uh, between certain cells in the body that are involved in the inflammatory response. And when that inflammatory response goes into overdrive in the way I've described, a lot more GMCSF is produced. That triggers other cytokines, downstream cytokines, to uh, do their dastardly work. So if you can neutralize GMCSF, you can prevent some of the downstream impacts. And Daniel, sometimes the way I describe this is, if you have been at a party and people hand around party poppers, you pull a string, there's this little explosion and a whole load of confetti and streamers and glitter and other stuff goes all over the place. Well, pulling the string is a bit like GMCSF being triggered. And the confetti and streamers and glitter are the downstream cytokines that just go everywhere and create havoc. Well, what is lenzilimab and how does it work? So lenzilimab is a biologic. It's a monoclonal antibody. And it's specifically and exclusively 
targets GMCSF. It mops it up in tissues and in the circulation. And how is it recognized as a, a potential treatment for COVID-19? Well, we saw with the emergence of the pandemic, more and more literature that was measuring and testing levels of various cytokines in patients, particularly those who were hospitalized and those that wound up in the ICU and on ventilators. Uh, and it appeared from data that was published in China. There's also a big study from the UK, more recently a study from France that identified GMCSF as one of the key cytokines that's elevated in those patients that end up deteriorating. Uh, and the French group referred to GMCSF as a signature cytokine. So what they demonstrated is if you measured GMCSF on admission to the hospital, you could predict the proportion of patients who died or were on ventilators as far out as day 28. So clearly there's uh, significant implications in those findings which have been replicated by multiple other groups. So as we saw some of those data, we realized that we had in our hands something that could offer a valuable treatment in these patients. Uh, and we began work to conduct a phase three clinical study, which is enrolling right now. Mayo Clinic published their compassionate use series and a case control study with lenzilimab. And NIH has initiated a 200 patient study with lenzilimab in combination with remdesivir. And they reviewed over 400 different compounds before landing on lenzilimab. I mentioned you're looking at this in other indications, including a, a number of rare cancers. Does GMCSF have the, the same role in those diseases? Is it doing something else or does the drug have a different mechanism of action when, when it's brought to bear on cancers? No, it has the same mechanism of action, Daniel, in that it neutralizes GMCSF, but the levels of GMCSF are likely different in some cancers. So think of it this way. In a situation such as CAR-T, CAR-T is a really new and exciting area that could revolutionize treatment of certain types of cancers. But in CAR-T, you see this huge surge in GMCSF. In COVID, you see a very large surge in GMCSF, particularly in those patients that don't do well. In certain types of cancers, you see more of a lower level surge. So it's the degree to which GMCSF gets upregulated and in certain forms of cancers, GMCSF is expressed at normal physiological levels. It's just that the body becomes even more sensitive to what would be normal levels in people without the disease. Is there any reason to think this might work in synergy with these immunotherapies? 
Well, uh, lenzilimab is an immunomodulator in and of itself, but we certainly think that there could be synergies with remdesivir. So as I mentioned, uh, NIH is conducting a study combining the two agents. Remdesivir is an antiviral agent. So it may make sense to combine different mechanisms of action, an antiviral, for example, with an immunomodulator like lenzilimab. We also think that lenzilimab is targeted and specifically designed for patients who are hospitalized. We don't really see it as being applied in an outpatient setting. And for people who are not only hospitalized, but are receiving supplementary oxygen. What's known about the efficacy of lenzilimab from studies to date? Yeah, so Daniel, we've done two phase one and two phase two studies in other areas than COVID, including severe asthma uncontrolled by corticosteroids. And what we know is lenzilimab is very safe and well tolerated. Specifically on efficacy in COVID-19, Mayo Clinic published a 39 patient case control study. And what they found was that patients on the lenzilimab arm left hospital on average five days after receiving the therapy versus 11 days, the patients that didn't. And what's more, there was a relative 80% reduction in risk of death or ventilation. Uh, and so we're very excited by those data. If those data are replicated in the phase three study, and in the NIH study, then we could have a potential game changer on our hands. If we can allow patients to get out of the hospital that much sooner and to save patients from being on a ventilator and potentially dying, then that could potentially change the arc of the pandemic. Earlier this month, you announced a cooperative research and development agreement with the Department of Defense to develop lenzilumab for COVID-19. What does this contract mean for Umatogen and for advancing lenzilumab towards the market? So it uh, allows us to get access to subject matter experts in the U.S. government, specifically related to regulatory manufacturing and statistics. So those experts are sitting with us, helping answer questions we may have, helping guide and shepherd the communications that we have with the agency and with contract manufacturers. So it's an extremely valuable resource to be able to leverage. And what's the path forward for Lenzilumab? So we want to complete our phase three study, Daniel, as quickly as possible. We also would like to see NIH completing the study that they're conducting with lenzilimab as quickly as possible. And then to have a conversation with FDA to seek emergency use authorization and subsequently a full approval under a biologics license application. So we wanna be able to bring lenzilimab, subject to the data proving out, which we hope they will, to as many patients as possible this winter. 
Humanogen is, is not a commercial company. You've had a fair bit of help on the clinical studies, but what will you do to commercialize the drug? Are you going to do this with your own uh, commercial organization? Or are you going to do this through a partnership? Yeah, we plan to uh, roll out lenzilimab in three phases. So phase one is under emergency use authorization, making as much lenzilimab available as possible. And in the emergency use authorization setting, often the government and specifically ASPA steps in to help distribute the drug. It's certainly what they did with remdesivir to assist Gilead and Gilead is a very substantial sized organization. Stage two is if we are successful in gaining full approval under a BLA, we will then uh, roll out a more conventional launch series of activities and build our infrastructure to support that. We've already put extensive plans in place, Daniel, to uh, get to that point. And then stage three is more medium term over the course of a few years, and that is getting access and participating in the government strategic national stockpiling program. Cameron Durant, Chairman and CEO of Humanogen. Cameron, thanks so much for your time today. Daniel, thank you so much for your time and your interest. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.